Hey everyone, I'm Brenda and I'm Julia and you're listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Your 20s are known as both the most exciting and most confusing years of your life. We're here to share our stories, to have real and raw conversations, and best of all, to make you feel a little less alone. This podcast was brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Today, we have on with us Jara Fosterfell. You know her as Jarabine on Instagram. She is a social media coach and the founder of her signature course, the social, the social Media Saloon. Oh my God, we're having trouble talking today, but here we are. We're so excited. Hey, Jara, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me on. And let me tell you, I was just talking the other day on a big Zoom call, and there's like words that I kept messing up and tripping. I don't know. There's something in, in the yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I'm right there with the you. Astrology. There's something in the yeah. stars. We're just not, we're not all there, but it's okay. No, we're gonna be there. there. We're gonna be here. We're gonna do it all. Hells yeah. So Jara, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you, who you are, where you're from, and how old you are since it's growing 20s. Ooh, all right. Well, the the quick summary here. My name is Jara. My mom got that name because she was pregnant with me and had a dream that told her to name her that. So fun, Wait, fun, no fun. way. Yeah, I have. Uh, no idea how that happened, but that's how she says it. It sort of came to be. So that's sort of the name of, of Jara for you. And I grew up in New York City, grew up in Manhattan, and went to school out at USC in Los Angeles. I was a fine art major focusing on graphic design. So those were kind of my creative design arty days. And uh, yeah, I lived in Boston for a little bit after that, then back to New York. I've lived in Austin now for just over a year with my husband and my spicy grandpa, 16 year old senior dog. And I am, gosh, I had to think about this for a second. I'm 31. I'm like, wait, am I 32? Like, I, <laughs> it's really hard. It's hard. <laughs> but I'll be 32 in, in, in June, which is honestly feels really weird to say, but there you Amazing. go. Well, we've heard 30s are like all the rage, you know? You know what? with that life's a little bit easier when you're 30 yeah. I, I feel good about that yeah the more we hear it we're like okay it's gonna be all right yeah. <laughs> we'll get we'll make peace with it <laughs> yeah yeah they just like life's more low-key I like being at home I like going to sleep early just, oh I like, love all those less, there's less of like an emotional roller coaster it's just a little bit more stagnant in a very peaceful way Incredible. Sounds nice. Guys, so much to look forward to. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's it's Um, good over the 30 line. Yes. (laughs) So incredible. Um, there's so much to your story. I feel like the more and more that we that we like looked into, you know, your background and all the things, we're like, holy crap, like she is the definition of someone that's evolved into different things and had gave herself permission to evolve. But we want to hear the details all from you. So now you're a social media coach. So how did you end up in this specific space and how has that shifted over time? time. So to give you kind of things in a a nutshell, because it's all connected, the pivots and the twists and the the turns are all related to each other, which is always kind of fun looking back and seeing Mm -hmm. how it evolved. Because when you're in the process, you have no freaking idea what the heck is happening. So it's like, oh, 
hindsight's 2020. I, I get that phrase now. So to kind of start us off in the 2015 realm, this is when I was a graphic designer. I was at a job for some time that very much manipulated me, did not treat me right. I think if you added up what I was actually making per hour due to the extreme overworkingness that was happening, it was probably like a couple bucks. It was just crazy. It was over the top. I was losing hair. I had a bald patch on my head. I should have been hospitalized for exhaustion. I was struggling with social anxiety. Like everything was just kind of going against me. It was not the most uh, positive and, and productive um, and light time of my life. But because of this is really this moment that I look back on, somehow I know the date, April 4th, 2015, it all led me to this moment where I downloaded a workout guide, BBG, it was called Bikini Body Guide back in the day, which people probably heard of uh, by Kayla Encinas. And I started to work out and I, there was no conscious decision where I was like, oh, I need to do something positive for myself. But I think some sort of external force was like, you got to do something to get yourself out of this hole a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so I started that workout guide, started an Instagram account the same day because I saw other women doing that. And I thought, oh, cool. Like I want to kind of jump in on this. I desperately needed community and friendship at the time. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what started Instagram for me. I was so excited to be working out and doing something positive for myself, both externally and internally. I was connecting right away to other women doing the same exact week and day of the exercises me. So there was a camaraderie there that really pulled me into the Instagram community and sort of that whole new chapter of my life. And it was a creative outlet. So I was taking photos, I was writing captions. This, this part really excited me and I really enjoyed that aspect of it. So that's how Instagram began for me. And also fitness was a large part of that journey for a couple of years. So fitness changed my life. I just freaking fell in love with it. My whole account was all about fitness at the time. I fell in love with SoulCycle and that was a two-year journey of my life, becoming an instructor and teaching for about a year and a half. And um, then after that, I, I decided to leave, pursue Instagram just as a lifestyle content creator full-time, which I did for uh, about a year and a half before thinking, all right, you know, I love this content creator thing. It's not that I don't like it. It's not that I want to change. I want to add something else into the mix, partly from a passion standpoint. I wanted to be doing something else. And also from a st smart strategic standpoint, like I don't want to have all my eggs in one basket from a financial view. What else can I add? How else can I be making money? And so um, it was that that spawned my uh, initial journey to becoming a social media coach. I hired a business coach, by the way, best decision I made, invest in yourself, do it. Sometimes you need help. Um, and that's how I developed the social media saloon, which is my signature three month group coaching course where I teach uh, business owners, product based businesses, service based businesses, as well as content creators, how to use Instagram as a really powerful and positive tool. Amazing. I love so many aspects of that. I also, I'm really interested that you said that you went, you went to social media right in the beginning for community, because I, I think, you know, and Brenna and I have found that social media does create opportunity for, for so much community, especially when we've all been locked inside for so long. But I think sometimes, sometimes we like lose sight of that. And like, it's so much about comparison or like, you know, competition, but really it is this like wonderful place for community. So I love that your story started there because obviously that's very clear through your through what you do now that it is about engagement and community. So I love that, that that was the start of it for you. But I'm curious, I know a lot of people like in their 20s, especially like shifting 
what we think we're going to do with our lives or our Mm. dreams or our goals can feel really scary or feel like maybe we failed at something. What was your experience uh, when it came to like making these changes from the job that you absolutely hated to the soul cycle to now what you do? Did you have any experience of like, I failed at that one thing or fear in when it comes to like changing your goal? Yeah, absolutely. I think this, the biggest failure career wise in a way, which I look back on it now and it's like, maybe not the biggest deal, but it was a really huge learning lesson for me. And that's when I was in my soul cycle phase. And so to give anyone perspective into the soul cycle journey, and it may be different now, this is like years, this is like 2016, which, whoa, five years ago, that's crazy. Um, but the the journey to become a soul cycle instructor is freaking hard as heck. So I had to audition. The auditions are like, you know, it feels like you're going up against like Simon Cowell judging you on American Idol. Like it's so intense and so emotion driven and it's very long. You're in the room, in the room while other people are auditioning as well. It's crazy. So I had to audition, didn't make it through, which makes sense. I was not a good writer, ter- a writer as in a soul cycle writer. Um, I was, had a terrible fear of public speaking. I had no experience teaching fitness. So I don't know why I thought I was going to get through that first time, but I did not. Um, then I auditioned a second time, miraculously got through and then got accepted into the 10-week training program which is one was one of the most intense experiences of my life in a really in a, yeah it was crazy in like a really beautiful way in a transformative way but also in a really grueling way as well as well so I went through that 10-week training program gave it my heart and soul by the way I had a, a incredible group of people following me on Instagram I think around 70,000 at that point so they were very aware of my journey as well and I hit that 10 week mark, went in for my final interview and they're like, yeah, you, you didn't pass. Like you can't be a soul cycle instructor. And it was just, it came out of left field and it was such a huge failure at the time. But I think a really great lesson that I learned from that was if you really, really want something, it doesn't mean you're going to get it. Like just because you want something really badly and just because you work really hard at it does not mean it's just going to be handed to you on a silver platter. And if you get a no in the process of working towards something or becoming something and you take that no and go, oh, right, I guess that's the end of the road for me. Then I'm going to, and I would have done the same thing for myself. I would have questioned like, how badly did you actually want this thing? Is this something that you really truly wanted to achieve or become, et cetera? Mm -hmm. Uh, So it was a really good lesson in that to just kind of muster up grit and just keep going if you really if you really want something like you're going to get nose in the process so that was I think one of my my biggest failures I think the second part of your question with fear is a little bit more applicable to leaving soul cycle and I bring that up because it was my whole identity it was my everything it was my dream it was such a huge part of me as a person it was a huge part of my online identity on instagram even though i posted about other things that title of soul cycle instructor was very much connected to me and, and people had been with me through that whole journey and so i think to realize that something that was once your dream is no longer your dream is a really really tough pill to swallow because it's like wait a second this is something I worked so hard for. I achieved it. I wanted it. Uh, I, I told everybody it. I was doing it. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, wait a second. It's sort of an identity crisis a little bit. And so to, to choose to leave that, um, there was a lot of fear wrapped up in that decision, but I ultimately, I knew it was the right thing for me to pursue my own thing and uh, kind of find myself unattached to the, to the identity of a soul cycle instructor. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that's so powerful because I feel like we see, honestly, even with our friends and people that we know dearly, like especially after graduating college, like it becomes such a difficult situation where it's like, huh, you either thought you were going to get your dream job or you thought things were going to be a certain way and then having to adapt and decide either, do I really want this thing and I don't have it right now and being okay with that or fighting for it or this other side of like, I don't actually want to do this. And how do I kind of take that and find different strengths or find something else that I love? Or if there is like a financial component, which for a lot of people there is, like how do I find stability without you know, knowing what fills me up and there's so many different things. So I think that the way that you were able to find peace, even through the difficulty of all those decisions will give a lot of people, you know, some hope (laughs) and some other ways to look at it. Yeah. Especially in terms of identity too, because I feel like what Brenda and I are learning is that like your identity like can change a million times in your 20s. And I think being, feeling kind of like unprepared for that, like when I first started my 20s. And I wish maybe someone had prepared me more like at the beginning of my 20s and said like, your identity is going to change like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. But, but also again, I think it's one of those things that until you're like actually in it, you might not believe or like accept. But it is great to hear those stories because it's just so true. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's this association that we have to take one step further, I think with failure that like shifting what you wanted to do or what you believe or who you consider yourself or what other people refer to you as is like a failure when it's really just a shift, you know, it's part of life. It's part of the process. So super powerful. So um, here's a little something that you may or may not know about me. I don't sleep well. No, I'm a horrid horrid sleeper, but I'm really good at staying awake and staring at my ceiling and having anxiety and thinking about everything that one could possibly think about when you're supposed to be going to bed. So I'm always looking for new ways to get my shit together because it's not fun. You know, my head hits the pillow, bam, my mind is rising. I'm sure some of you can relate. Yeah, it fucking sucks. Fortunately, I finally found something that helps. I found Sunday Scaries and realized that they make products specifically for overthinkers and night owls like me hello drag me through the mud for the overthinking sunday scaries cbd gummies help me decompress clear my head and fall asleep so i can actually wake up and be a fully functioning human being and do all the cool good shit that i gotta do so let me tell you there is no risk to buy this company offers 100 lifetime money back guarantee if the product's not for you that's okay you'll get your money back sunday scaries is in the stress relieving business not the stress causing business thank you sunday scaries and just because i like them so much we got you 25 percent off to prove it all you have to do is go visit sundayscaries.com use our promo code 20s for your discount that's promo code 20s t-w-e-n-t-i-e-s for 25 percent off yes 25 percent off at sundayscaries.com you're effing amazing you won't regret joining the squad head over to sundayscaries.com use our promo code 20s and get yourself some incredible Sunday Scaries CBD gummies. And if you're sleeping better, you're welcome. <laughs> you're so welcome. Go use that promo code now and fix your life. Okay, bye. But to kind of get some tips on what you're super passionate about right now, which is all things social media, helping people grow, learn, evolve. 
Um, we want to get super specific. Yeah, what would let's be do it. your top three tips for like increasing your reach, engagement, growth, all those things? Ooh, loaded question, yeah, but I, I like it. I like it. Okay. So I'm going to give you like a semi-complicated answer because anytime I talk about social media, I try and give like as many tips as possible. So the first tip is actually going to be threefold. And it's really figuring out some inward facing components. I think that people tend to, whether you're a content creator, whether you're just wanting to build your online presence, whether, whether you are a business, what happens is people tend to jump, jump to like step six, step seven, and they're wondering why they're having so many problems and getting so frustrated, can't figure out what they're going to post. It's because they haven't done steps one, two, three, four, five. I just made those steps up, but you get what I mean. So uh, figuring out these inward facing components of understanding your story. You are what is going to stand out and make your online presence and of course your real life presence unique. There's going to be other fitness instructors. There are going to be other social media coaches. There's going to be other t-shirt brands and interior designers. And perhaps they're even talking about the same things that you're talking about. But if you inject and weave your personality, your quirks, the things that you've been through, your experience into the fabric of your social media presence, that is ultimately what's going to help you stand out. So your story, also figuring out your niche. Now people get really kind of worried about this niche thing. They think that they're getting boxed in. They don't know how to define it. The simplest way to figure this out is if you're a business is figuring out what problem do you solve? And it doesn't have to be, I solve this problem, but if you are a, a mindset coach, in general, if you had to sum up in a sentence how you help people or how you solve a problem, what th would that be? I am a mindset coach and I help women in their 20s overcome imposter syndrome, for example. So for businesses, it's a little bit more of the problem you solve. For a content creator, it might just be how you benefit people's lives. Mm -hmm. There's a guy that I follow on TikTok. His name is Rod, R-O-D. And he's not necessarily solving any problems with his content, but it's very much based on millennial humor and all these things that you can skits and talks about things around that genre. And so he's benefiting people's lives by creating really targeted humor around the millennial subject. It doesn't have to be this big, heavy thing, but you do have to have your finger on the pulse of how you are either problem solving or benefiting. And the last thing within step number one here is also figuring out your ideal client or your ideal follower. Who are you trying to connect with? Who are you creating content for? Who are you speaking to in your captions, in your reels, and sometimes your stories, but those can be a little bit more casual. All right, that's number one. Number two is showing up consistently. It's like posting a couple times a week, creating content on a regular basis. It sounds so uh, simple. However, it's quite challenging to execute. And uh, it's a matter of figuring out those uh, first pieces in step one. It's creating your content pillars, brainstorming topic ideas, and taking a little time each week to content plan. So you have to show up consistently in order to really connect with people on a regular basis. And the last thing is a little bit more of a, a tricky one, perhaps, perhaps not the most tangible tip, but it's also like releasing the need for things like vanity metrics, likes, follower count, view count, comments, etc., to define your worth. Because everyone is just constantly being held back by the fact that they don't have enough followers. Oh my goodness, this perform this post performed uh, poorly, therefore I suck and I should not create any more content. Um, if you're only really basing your worth based on these numbers, you are just going to dig yourself into a deeper hole, which is only going to affect things like your growth and engagement in the way that you are cultivating community. 
Oh my God. Amazing. So such incredible tips. We're going to dive into three because they're all so important. So going off of the first one, Mm. when it comes to like niche and personal brand, do you have any tips on like how people can figure out what is that niche thing about them? What is their personal brand? Are there specific tools that you offer in your courses that help people get really clear and specific on those things? Yeah, I think it is. It's diving deeper into those elements. And it's also first figuring out what category are you falling into? Are you a content creator? And I am careful to say content creator, not influencer, not because I think influencer is a bad thing, but I do think there is a distinction between content creator, influencer. So perhaps you're one of those. You might be influencer, you might be content creator. Or if you have a specific service-based business, you're a life coach, you're a health coach, you're a personal trainer, you're a relationship coach, whatever that is, um, you're in the service-based industry. And if you're selling t-shirts, jewelry, uh, whatever, vintage furniture, uh, you're more in the product base. So it's one figuring out what are you falling into categorically so that you can better inform how you are showing up on social media? Cause some of those are going to require selling and actually promoting what you do or offer. Um, and then from there, it's diving into those three key branding components that we spoke about. It's writing out your story from start to finish. This is an assignment that I give my students pulling out the three to five key components of your life that make you, you, and it can be more than that. Um, if you're a business, I would recommend doing those three to five key components for you as a person and also those three to five key components uh, for you as a, as a business owner, because sometimes they cross over and sometimes they don't. So just getting more specific with that. Um, and then really defining your, your niche and your ideal client. And I, uh, if you're selling something in your ideal follower, if you're more in the content creator or influencer space for someone who is just like, I have no idea what I like or what I want to do. Um, it doesn't have to be so serious at first. It might just be creating and, and, dipping your toe in the water of, oh, maybe it's interior design, or maybe it's really talking and sharing your inspiration. You're more of a spoken person, or you really enjoy writing in a more long form content. Maybe you are a freaking transition queen and you excel with short form content and reels. And it's not necessarily about writing really inspirational things, but you are creative as heck with how you show up in your delivery of of your video editing. So it's just kind of like exploring if you don't know right now, you don't have to have an answer and say, I need a niche and ideal client if you don't even really know the direction you're heading in yet. Yeah. My goodness. So many incredible tips. If once, so once you figure that out, once you're like, okay, I know my brand, I know my niche, I know all these things, how being that you mentioned, there are a bunch of, you know, people that teach fitness and relationship and all that stuff. What do you think makes people like stand out? How can you stand out Um, of course, people are always looking to grow and reach more people. And a lot of times it might be for a different reason, but for a lot of reasons, it is to help people and, you know, get their message out there. So yeah. What are your, what are your tips for standing out? I think people are so afraid to just be themselves. They're Mm -hmm. so afraid of, of letting whatever guard down it is due to people judging them due to people talking about them or thinking something that it's easier for them. I call it kind of staying in the lukewarm where you're just kind of palatable to everyone versus being more in the red hot zone where by being yourself, uh, perhaps by speaking about your values, um, you are going to piss some people off or maybe it's not that extreme. Maybe some people are just like, that girl's freaking like weird or that's annoying that she talks so much about that. Something like that, annoying, pissed off, whatever. Um, But being in that red hot zone, you're really going to 
pull your people in um, and then also repel some people away. But I much rather be in that red hot zone where my people are my people and they're like, oh yeah, like I'm along, I'm along for the ride with Jara and other people are gonna not really like me as much, which is which is the case. There's plenty of people out there that don't like me and I don't, I don't love that. I'm a serial people pleaser. So that's not the easiest thing for me to come to terms with. Um, but I rather be me and have people not like me for it than live in that lukewarm space where people are just kind of so-so. So I think letting your guard down and, and to get some specific tips around that, it's letting people into your life and what you do. But what I like to teach is letting people into your mind. So a lot of people are like, and I just had this on a call yesterday with my students, like, I'm not interesting. Like, why does anyone want to watch me? I don't do anything all day. I'm kind of just working. And I know people listening probably aren't seeing us right now, but you guys can. My entire life right now is spent at this desk. Like I just work all the time. It's also COVID, so I'm not really out doing much. And so I don't really have a lot to show in my stories either. Like I used to be a soul cycle instructor running around the city. I was going to cool influencer events and hanging out with my friends. And now it's like me and my old dog and my husband and I love them. So, uh, but it's just not the most exciting thing. So my trick is to let people into my mind and it's letting people into either your quirks, your personality, or the weird things going into your head. Like I'll sing like, uh, cut my life into pieces last resort like that pops into my head I'll put it on my stories and sing it to the camera um there's a potato with a weird uh vine growing out of it like oh let's show stories this this is strange um I realized the way that the word segue is spelled which is such a bizarre spelling learned how to spell it and I'm go on stories and say y'all's like did you know do you know how to spell segue did you know it was spelled this way and then you do a poll and people get really excited and heated about that because they're like wait I had no idea segue was was uh spelled that way so it's letting people into these little moments or you know you can armpit fart I'll put that on my stories and I, I do tend to lean more towards the goofy and weird side so if you are not goofy and weird that doesn't have to be your thing you can right. still let people into kind of the idiosyncrasies and, and quirks that just happen within the state of of you right mm -hmm. totally makes sense like what what are you putting out there what are you selling and then being authentic with that and letting people into your mind if it's like if you're just fashion letting people into your mind in like the fashion sense or like whatever yes. you're doing totally. I think that really makes it clear because I think I think a lot of times people feel like they need, and like you said before, like, are you really good at reels? Are you really good at this? Like, I think people feel like they have to do it all. Yeah. Um, especially because nowadays, especially with like TikTok and stuff, like everything is like, if you're not constantly creating like all the time, I think people feel like, oh, I'm not good enough or I'm not, I'm failing or, you know, I'll never get to a place where this person is because they're putting out like 70 TikToks a day or whatever. Yeah overwhelming but I think that it's nice news to know that like you could you could have your thing and let people in in that way yes absolutely just let people into the weird let your freak flag fly as I like yes. to say let it yes. wave nice and high I love it a little oh sorry Brenda go ahead no it's okay um I was just gonna say that I think that a lot of times we get caught up in like providing value and I think that sometimes value can be something like you said like entertainment something silly something that catches someone's attention or they find interesting like it doesn't have to be life-changing every time I know that's something I get caught up in um even with our podcast page like when it comes to our actual um, episodes, I think we have a nice combination of like silly and real and raw and relatable. And then when it comes to our feed, it's a lot of like updates. So you're really getting my 
um, my wheels turning when it comes to our social media. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's a really good point that you bring up that I do like to speak about as well. Cause providing value, you hear it all the time, provide value, everything must be value. And I agree with that to an extent, but it's what, what is the interpretation of, of value? And I think it's a really wide range. So it can be inspiring people. It can be educating people, but like you said, it can also be entertaining people, but here's the, the distinction. Um, there's a difference between lighthearted and not super deep or long or heavy and just kind of entertaining and something that's fluffy. So the biggest offender for a piece of fluff and I'm, you know, a little bit of fluff here and there is okay. I'm not saying it has to be hundred percent non-fluff all the time. Um, but I think the biggest type of offender is like a cap along the lines of like Sunday vibes, like anything that's a Sunday vibes or vacation vibes, I always use that example, um, does drive me a little bit cuckoo bananas because to me, it feels like you're posting just to post. That's what a fluffy mm -hmm. caption or a fluffy, uh, well, I guess you can't really have a fluffy photo, um, but more of a fluffy mm -hmm. caption uh, is. It's it just, just saying, I, I wanna post this just because versus something that's entertaining, there's an end goal of the person consuming it or reading it, feeling something which is a smile or a laugh or just kind mm -hmm. of something lighthearted that, that lifts them up. Oh, that I'm so glad you talked about that. I think that that is like incredible, an incredible tip because I was wondering that, like, cause you hear people say that all the time. I was like, hmm, like what really is like fluff and what really is like entertainment and funny. Oh. And that is like the perfect breakdown for it. It like totally makes sense. Yes, so, thank so you for that tip. So good. Got it. Um, on a less fun note, oh, I think it's less fun, but like other people might think it's fun. You know, you're always hearing the term thrown around like the algorithm, needing to use the algorithm. How important really is this? And like how, what, if people are wanting to start to get to know how to use this, where's kind of like the first place that you usually point them to? The algorithm is my least favorite topic, but I'm glad we're talking oh, about it because I, I like to talk about, <laughs> I like to talk about why it's my least favorite thing. Amazing, go. So I think what happens in the realm of social media and life in general is that it's much easier to get caught up slash complain slash talk about things that are almost like busy work. So people like to, and, and I've done this before, so I'm not saying you're awful for doing this, but it's kind of recognizing that when you talk about things like worrying about the algorithm or trying to think, oh, like, I must figure out the best time to post and it's a two minute window on this day or what are the most perfect hashtags like those will solve all my problems this is kind of like busy work versus actually getting to the root of the issue or the root of the problem so when people really obsess about the algorithm it I wish they would spend more time developing their content strategy or coming up with new creative ways to present themselves on reels or opening up more about themselves and letting people into the, the quirks and what's going on in their heads in stories. I mean, we're all dealing with the algorithm and it freaking sucks. Like my reach is half of what it was a couple years ago, maybe even a third. Um, I'm constantly losing followers. Like I'll be super real about this stuff. I'm not gonna like pretend it's, it's all yeah, yeah. all the time and it doesn't feel good when your post doesn't perform well or it's half the reach that it used to be or you see the, the follower number go down. Um, but I just think there's, there's bigger issues at, at hand. And so my biggest piece of advice for anyone worrying about the algorithm, anytime you find yourself complaining or worrying about that, 
let's shift to, okay, well, how consistently are you posting? Can we work on content planning a little bit more? Let's take a look at your captions. Are they maybe more in the fluff realm? Or are they providing value in some shape or form? Um, are you educating, giving tips, inspiration? Um, could we work even on, I, I don't really push aesthetics too much because I think there's more value in your messaging, um, but can we work on maybe your, your photos a little bit more? I think just there's better time spent than worrying about the stupid freaking algorithm. Definitely, that helps a lot, especially because I'm pretty sure as far as we know that it's constantly changing too. So it's like, how can you keep up with all of these <laughs> shifts and adjustments? And you mentioned it before in terms of focusing on scheduling or, or planning content out and stuff like that. Um, how important do you think planning and scheduling content out is and what are your top tips for content creation in general? I think that planning and when I, when I say planning, I mean, just kind of getting a, a feel for what's coming up ahead. Cause I don't really like scheduling. If anyone's yeah. wondering like, Oh, should I schedule something right. so that it auto posts for me? I'm happy to chat about that after, but um, I don't love scheduling. I want you to be live in the app and, and pushing yeah. things to post. But from a content planning perspective, I think it's important to a degree for a couple of reasons. One, when we are constantly relying on inspiration every single day to strike you're kind of not setting yourself up for success because there's going to be a week, maybe a couple of days when you wake up and you're like, yes, I have a photo ready to go, or I'm, I'm feeling cute today. So I want to take a photo. I have an idea of a caption, but when you're living in a reactive mode like that, when it comes to social media, well, next week, either you're going to be super busy or you're in an inspiration rut, and then you're not going to post for a week. You're not going to post for two weeks, that type of thing. So we want to get out of the reactive mode and into mm -hmm. proactive mode with content planning. And it doesn't have to be this big, scary thing. So it's as quote unquote, simple as looking at the calendar for the month ahead and creating two steps. So you're going to do a monthly bird's eye view and you do have to do some other work prior to this, like understand what your content pillars are, have a whole nice list of brainstorming of different topics underneath each of those content pillars. But once that work is done for your monthly bird's eye view, you're just plopping the content pillars and the topics into the calendar. So let's say you want to post four times a week and maybe just for example purposes, you have four content pillars, then it goes, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and then you do four different days for the next week, just so that you have a rough idea of how your content pillars and how your topics are spread throughout the month. Now for most people, getting more granular than that in one chunk is a little bit too overwhelming. Some people will like to get more granular, but in general, the, the typical next step is to spend some time, for example, on a Thursday, developing your weekly granular plan. So you look at each the week coming up, you've already assigned the content pillars and the topics. So now it's a matter of, all right, I'm either going to batch write my captions or at the very least kind of have a little bit of a bullet point list going on because some people do like to just write day of, which I, I'm a good writer. I can, well, maybe I'm not the best writer, but I, I, I tend to write quickly and I don't need a lot of time to do so. So it is easy for me to just write on the spot. So it's kind of figuring out, all right, do you need that bullet point list or are you going to batch write? Um, and then also making sure you either have a plan for your photos, you have those photos taken, you're scrolling in your camera roll to see what old photos you can use. Perhaps you make graphics or you're getting those ready because when it comes time to the day of posting, you want it to be as simple as, all right, here's the photo. I'm ready to post it. I'm copying and pasting 
pasting my caption. Maybe I know my hashtags if I have, if I'm playing around with hashtags and I've even assigned the, the time in which I'm posting. So I know at 12 o'clock on Monday, all I'm doing is hitting post. And that's really gonna help you be more consistent, that type of planning. However, for anyone, and this comes up as a resistant point, people go, you know, I wanna feel authentic in the moment and, and just whatever comes to mind, you can still do that. So if on Monday you go, wait, I really don't wanna post about my three style tips. I wanna talk about my, my morning routine. I feel really passionate about it in this exact moment. Great. If you have a caption that you can easily flow into, if you have a photo ready to go, post about that and just take whatever you plan for that day and shift it to another day. So it allows you to still be reactive, but in a just, just a, a much more secure type of plan to ensure consistency. Mm. Guys, get in her course. Yes. It's all so good. And it's, I just love the way that you break everything down. I think it's super digestible and it doesn't seem scary. Like I think, you know, no, it's just, it's so great. I'm so appreciative for you sharing so many tips with us. Yeah. Uh, Seriously, get in her course, everybody. Um, Switching gears just a tiny bit, there is a lot of like noise and stuff about how like social media is like so bad for us and like all the negative things that social media, the effects that social media can have. And even, you know, personally being on social media sometimes and like feeling negative after scrolling or blah, blah, blah. Um, what what are some of the more positive things that you see social media do? And what are the some of the positive things that social media has done for your life and your relationships and your communities? I think the first thing to acknowledge is that social media is not inherently good. It's not inherently bad. If you want a little metaphor and, you know, think of a hammer, a hammer can be this great tool. You can make a bookshelf, but with that hammer, you can also destroy that bookshelf or, or bring damage to something. And it can be a, a negative, destructive thing. So social media really is a tool and it's how we use it and setting yourself up to scroll can uh, scroll in an intentional way, mute, follow, un- uh, block accounts uh, that don't serve you or, or bring negative energy to you. So you really are in control and in the, in the driver's seat with how you are consuming and how you're also showing up. Um, so that's one thing I just want to say for anyone who that may help. But for specific examples for how I found um, sort of positivity in that that more connecting and, and awesome side of social media, um, one, it completely changed my life. It's how I pivoted and on that April 4th, 2015, really took that, that, that first step in a new direction because Instagram was this opening up into this world of content creation. I mean, I come from an art background, so I do like that creative aspect of it. I've always been um, interested and I have enjoyed writing. So that writing aspect came to me and that community aspect as well. So it changed my life. Um, I think that for, there's this beautiful aspect of it that connects us on a deeper level. Um, it helps us feel less alone. Like I've had moments where I've scrolled and learned something either about a topic or a person. And I've been like, wow, that really kind of hit deep with something that I've either either thought of or experienced. And it's made me feel more normal or less alone or more connected to other people, even though I haven't met them. And I've had the same for people reaching out to me. I've had so many people um, for whatever topic it is is 
send me a DM or a comment and say, thank you so much for sharing this. I really needed to hear this today. Or thank you for sharing about your social anxiety and getting a therapist a couple of years ago. It made me realize that this is something I need too. And I just booked my first consultation with a therapist or uh, one of my favorite posts, this is from many years ago, I posted about butt pimples. I accidentally ordered this thong bikini. I thought it was a regular bottom. I never wear thong bikinis and I'm in Tulum. And I'm like, gosh, shit. Like I really want to wear this bathing suit, but I have butt pimples because well, one in general, they just happened. And two, as a soul cycle instructor, they were were awful. It was a big problem. So I was like, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to wear this thong bikini and I'll have butt pimples. And (laughs) let me take a photo of this and talk about it. And I could not believe the response that I got. People were just like, oh my God, I've never seen anyone talk about this. It's something that I felt so embarrassed about for X amount of time. Uh, This really makes me feel more normal and less alone in this kind of butt pimple problem I'm experiencing but it's funny we can laugh about it but it actually can be this really big or acne that type of thing um so those type of moments where either I felt less alone and whatever it is I've experiencing or or thinking um and sort of the same reflected back with how I've been able to provide that to to other people and and community I think has been um, a huge positive part of, of Instagram and social media Yeah, for sure. And I think that to be able to like break down your walls, like I think you, when you are able to show up authentically for others, it's, it's, it's really peaceful for yourself because I, I do believe that with like the likes and comments and the algorithm and everything, like it can be, of course you want to show up as your best self a lot of the time, but I think a lot of times it can be like a performance, which again, some people have personalities that they, they want to share and stuff like that. But um, I feel like we've seen time and time again, that vulnerability, authenticity, all that stuff that you're sharing with something like a, like a butt pimple, um, anecdote. Um, it really does make people be like, oh, she's human, you know, and, yeah. and she, she's like me, um, and brings it kind of back down. So how would you say, and I'm sure it's related to, uh, your last answer, but how would you say you've cultivated specifically such a strong, authentic, and like supportive community around you from, then and how have you kind of maintained that through through these transitions in your life? I think a couple of things. One has been really just being open for the most part. I have boundaries and not necessarily sharing every single detail of my life, uh, but being fairly open about my life and what I've experienced. So that soul cycle journey, taking people along for the ride and opening up about the failure of it in a very public way. Uh, a lot of the the pivots that I've uh, mentioned here already have all been throughout my social media journey as well. Um, even things like getting married in the middle of COVID at March in 2020 and sort of the twists and turns of that. And um, it's essentially just not showing that things are perfect all the time. It's letting people into both the ups and the downs so that when you have those up moments, those successes, people also know that you've been through some crappy times as well. And not that you need people to validate your successes, but I think it just makes it, if you are someone who is on social media, it just makes it easier to connect to that person and and celebrate um, when they have those up moments, you know, that they've also had those down moments as well. So I think letting people into the journey, into the challenges, the successes and the failures has been, um, I don't want to say it's been a tool in creating community because I don't necessarily think of it that way, but it's just something that I've 
sort of embraced as um, these years have, have gone on. And I think it's also connecting back to what we chatted about earlier with letting people into your quirks and your personalities. I got a DM uh, the other day, I forget exactly what it was, but it's probably one of the biggest compliments I've ever gotten of, she's like, I don't know you, but I feel like you're a really good friend. And to me, that was such a beautiful feeling. I was like, that's, that's kind of how I want everyone to feel. Yeah. Like, I just want to be me and I want to let you into my life and the weirdness and the mundaneness of it all sometimes. And um, for someone to feel connected to me on a level of friendship, I think that's a really special thing. And I know not everyone necessarily feels that way, but once again, it's about calling in your people living in that red hot zone so that those people feel like your friends and, and feel that, that connection to you. So I think that's the other thing that comes to mind with that. Yeah, I love that. Um, speaking of connection and validation, do you have any like tips or practices that you use that help detach like your worth from the amount of likes that you get or the amount of engagement that you get? I think especially starting out, people can feel like, you know, if they haven't gotten a certain amount of likes that that is a ref that is a reflection of their worth. So what is, what's your kind of advice on that? I think one thing when it comes to the follower count, cause that's always such a big one is if you can shift your mindset to focusing on the people that you do have, whether that's 50, a hundred, 3000, 10,000, uh, versus constantly wondering and focusing and thinking about the people you don't have. And if you're thinking about constantly getting more followers, that's an easy way to identify if you are constantly thinking about the people that you don't have. And so what happens when you're stuck in that mode is no number is actually ever going to satisfy you because if you're, oh, I just need to get to 10K and I get the swipe up, you'll get there maybe. And it's kind of fun in the moment. You feel accomplished, but quickly that, that sort of rush of serotonin and endorphins or whatever those things are, uh, it's going to subside. And then you're going to say, oh, oh, I'll be happy when I get to 15. I'll be happy when I get to 20 or whatever that number is. And so it's sort of building up your worth on, I don't know what a good metaphor is on sand or something like that, something that's not stable. Um, so if you can instead shift your focus to the people that you do have, you're then kind of feeling gratitude for the people who have already hit the follow button. Like you want followers and those people are there. Like you have some people following you. And so if you can nurture that relationship, it's going to help you feel more fulfilled with how you're showing up. So that's one thing I think with follower count. Um, the other, other thing is measuring success on things besides just vanity metrics. So something I encourage my students to do is to screenshot anytime you get a nice comment, a nice DM, something that you hear from your community. Sometimes you get something and it's nice in the moment, but then you kind of forget it. I do this for myself as well. I screenshot it and then I'll put it in a little folder on my phone called like nice DMs or something like that. And anytime you're having like a bad day or maybe someone says something not nice to you or you're stuck on the amount of likes or comments that you got, it's kind of nice to take a little walk through memory lane and, and see those nice things that either set people said about you or um, it's something about your content that was really fulfilling with them for them. So if you can kind of shift your measure of success to those more tangible things um, besides vanity metrics, which really is the impact and the effect that you're having on people, I think that's a really great tool as well. Love yeah. It. Definitely. No, that's that's super helpful. And I think it, it can be hard sometimes to you know, to, to do that, obviously it's obviously easier said than done, but to actually look at the people, I love that you said like focusing on the people that you do have, um, just because I think it's, 
you know, we're constantly seeking more and more and more. And it, it really is never enough. You know, you're, you're focusing on the next goal and goals are fabulous, but it's just like, there are some things that you don't have that much control over. So if you are embracing that authentic part, it'll probably be more fulfilling as well along the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. But in terms of, you mentioned this before, and it's, I know it's a big piece of your story with social anxiety, um, just to kind of switch the gears a little bit. Yeah be relatable in that sense what is social anxiety for people that don't know how has it impacted your life or some yeah your life specifically um and how has that shifted over time as your life has shifted yeah especially like on social media yeah yeah i know right kind of weird combination (laughs) um social anxiety is it's going to be different for every single person. So it's not just one specific um, description of how to, to qualify it. Uh, for me specifically, it's anxiety that is produced from social situations or from impending social situations. And that anxiety can manifest by feelings inside of you, like just being stressed about it or tightening of your chest. Um, for me, it's been something where I get really hot and I start to sweat. And that is like, well, I'm not going to say it's the worst because there's many things that people will say are are the worst because it's their situation, but to be standing with someone in conversation where your face is heating up and like you start to sweat and they're like, well, why is this person sweating? Like I'm wearing a sweater. It can, it can be very um, embarrassing and, and shameful. And so those kind of physical manifestations of my social anxiety combined with the stress and the thoughts uh, really affected me. And it was also during the time that I mentioned where I was having that shit job, hair, hair falling out. And so it was just, I don't know what kind of, it was probably a snowball effect to be totally honest. And uh, it took some time. I, I didn't even realize that there was a name for what I was experiencing until I kind of Googled it and realized like, wait a second, like this isn't just some random thing. This is, this is a real thing that people experience. And it kind of validated me that I wasn't just not that I was quite crazy, but that there was a name to what I was experiencing. And I looked up different, um, I always forget there's like therapists and psychologists. I forget which one is which, but we'll just say therapist for now. And uh, he was in my area. um, And I'll never forget at the time having an initial phone call with him, just like a 10 minute consultation and the immediate weight I felt just talking to him and realizing there was someone who could help me uh, was just sort of indescribable at the time. And I worked with him for about a year. And I think the biggest thing to realize with anxiety and probably with a lot of things in life is that you don't necessarily ever have them disappear. It's not that they just go away forever. It's really learning how to manage them. And so that was what I learned over that year is really managing social anxiety. And I think I'm a lot better now. I think I'm also um, an introvert, which doesn't necessarily help things because I like to be at home like I could be at home for a month and not talk to anyone and (laughs) I'd be fine which is very strange and and perhaps that's why social media is uh, I don't want to say easy for me but it's a way for me to be social without necessarily having to be with everyone all the time so I just kind of thought about that on the spot it's not something I've really uh, dove into specifically but that, that would be my initial hypothesis of why social media really, really works for me. It allows me to be social without having to be in like a big group of people all the time, which is not, not my favorite. (laughs) Um, Yeah, absolutely. And that's why we were interested in talking to you about it because it is, um, you know, having social anxiety and then also being such like a public kind of person to see that dynamic. And I think it goes back to what you said at the beginning of turning to social media for community. And it's like this beautiful way to like have community in in a way that you can kind of 
curate for your comfort. And I yeah. think sometimes we lose sight, like that you can really curate your feed. You can curate the people that you are allowing into your life. If that's something that you need to have a little bit more control over sometimes in order to feel your most comfortable, best, amazing self. Totally. Totally. So I love that. And I think again, that kind of goes to the switching the, the perspective of social media actually being able to be this really positive thing. And so I just love that part of your story. Um, We're going to get to our last few questions here because Jerry, you've been so incredible with your time and your tips. And we're so grateful. Thank you. Uh, we want to give you the opportunity to talk a little bit about the social, your, what you do with your one-on-one students and social media saloon and anything you want to like pimp out about those two options. Yeah, for sure. So there's two ways to work with me at the moment, but you know, there's other things brewing. So we'll see what the future oh. Um, What I want to put forward the most, it really is my favorite way to work with people is through my group coaching course. It's called the social media saloon. I don't know why it's Western themed. I just liked how it sounded. So for anyone wondering about that, it just kind of rolls off the tongue. Um, But it's a three month group coaching course. It is for service-based businesses, product-based businesses, and content creators as well. And it is all about helping you use social media um, and really transforming your experience on the app so that you can either use it as a powerful and positive tool to create your online presence and or support your business as well. And we deep dive into topics such as social media mindset, branding, which we spoke a little bit about um, today. We dive into messaging strategies, super deep aesthetics, visuals, photo taking, um, understanding everything about reels, hashtags, analytics, content planning, community building, uh, IG live, like any topic that is uh, related to Instagram, we dive deep into it. Hence why it's such a sort of robust and long program. Um, So that happens usually, gosh, I, I've had the social media saloon for over a year now. I'm currently in my fourth cohort right now. So it's about three to four groups per year. The next one will be kicking off uh, in July. And I think I have a little link in my bio right now to sign up for the wait list. But, so you can either check there or the socialmediasaloon.com. And then I do take on um, a limited amount of one-on-one clients as well. So if anyone's interested in that, just shoot me an email, jara at jarabean.com. Amazing. Sign up, sign up, get on that wait list. Yes. (laughs) Um, And out of curiosity for like your days and how they kind of go, do you have any daily practices, rituals, or routines that you incorporate? I am awful at this question. I'm going to be honest. No. Like, I feel like you, like you hear about like, you know, people starting their own businesses and like having their life figured out, which, I'll, you know, it's a little bit more figured out than it used to be. Um, but I don't, I don't got no rituals. I don't got no routines. Um, I sort of have this, I just let the day flow. I'm working on that because I don't know if that's the best way to go about things, but that's currently how my brain is working. And, um, you know, trying to incorporate a little bit more exercise back into my life and uh, some things to, to kind of fill my cup because I would say the last year where I was really creating the saloon and um, focusing so heavily on that it it was a labor and is a labor of love um, but that really took up so much of my time um, seven days a week kind of 12 12 plus hours a day for for about a year and so I'm kind of unlearning right now how to get out of that mode where all I'm doing is living breathing eating work and kind of finding my life again. So I'm in, I'm in transition to kind of creating those, those routines to be super real with you. I love it. Do what works for you. Not everyone is 
this crazy thing that they do all the time. It's got a little dog in the back. Oh my God, hi. Yes, yeah. If you, anyone heard uh, clip clopping and sometimes he likes to cough very loudly, which I think he has spared you during this episode. But my, oh, my I just girl, had to point him out because it's just yeah, so he's the best. <laughs> but um, our last question for you, this does not have to be related to social media. It, okay. If it wants to be, but if you could tell 20-year-old Jera one thing, what would you tell her? Oh, it's a deep one. It's a tough one, but it's an important one. Let me think about this for a Take second. Take your time. Take your time. I think I would tell her something along the lines of kind of trusting the process a little bit. I think in your 20s, you feel like you need to have things figured out and knowing what the next step is and having some sort of plan. And um, it's not necessarily about being so loose and going with the flow. Like I wish I started saving money when I was earlier. Like, you know, that's something that maybe you want to plan out. But in terms of you, your life, your identity, um, it doesn't have to have such a, a rigid plan or you don't have to have all these answers. I think just knowing that you're going to shift and change and discover yourself in that process, in that journey, um, perhaps would have released a little bit more pressure off of me and a weight off my shoulder. So I, I think I would have told her something along those lines. Yeah. Oh, so beautiful. My goodness. I feel like that is everything that someone in their twenties needs to hear right now. We are in a phase where we crave structure and knowing and all these things and so much is out of our control that I think just we hear more and more trust the process you know the, the universe has a grander plan whatever it is that people believe in um you know everything does kind of work out for a, a specific reason so that was so powerful thank yeah, you um, yeah and genuinely you have been so incredible I can't imagine for people that are just curious about the social media game or actually have a business or are looking to learn more this was like I want to say one of the most um what, what a new course like, yes, yes. A course it's so valuable oh I'm so glad that makes oh, me Thank you so much, Jara. I will link all of the socials in the show notes and how you can get in touch with her if you're interested in the program or her one-on-one -on -one coaching. And thank you so much for being with us. This was so much fun. Thank you for having me. Thank you so, so much. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to Roaring 20s Podcast. Be sure to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and please subscribe. You're never alone. Our pride sticks together. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Roaring Twenties Podcast. You get to start your week with us and end your week with us. With, with love, Brenda and Julia. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.